Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Castro. I'm here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? I'm good, Adam. It's uh, another week in the books as we are now halfway done with the season. Hard to believe. We are at that point where after this week, we are halfway done. Very hard to Make believe. Make a break time. It's true. It's very true. I mean, we're halfway done with the fantasy season, basically. Like the, I mean, regular, I, the regular season. I mean, I tell you what, my initial thoughts from this season so far have been this year, for some reason, has been the most exhausting fantasy season that I've had so far. It's exhausting. Honestly, I think it's the, I think it's the uncertainty about everything that's going on. Without, right, because you need to plan for everything. I, th- I think it hurts me more because of being commish of five leagues. But I think it's more of just needing to follow up on everything, make sure everybody's taken care of, remind people of things 500 times. It, it's, it's a lot. It, it is definitely a lot to, uh, to manage. But I'm shocked we made it this far. So let's hopefully keep it going. In a, uh, in, a yeah. in a positive positive fashion. Well, I was saying, as far as uncertainty, I was talking about just like the uncertainty of the game of game times and things like that, like having to deal with, you know, multiple instances of Tuesday football, or, um, or I mean, I think there was only one instance of Tuesday football, and then you have double headers on Monday, and then that sort of thing. Just the fact that you didn't know what was going on on a given in a given week because of because uh, of covid and things like that it's funny you say that because i had a dream last night that we were on this podcast and we were talking about the games and i had said something along the lines of you had forgot to talk about the seattle arizona game and i had said to you adam you know why didn't we talk about the seattle arizona game and you just like oh you didn't know it got moved to monday <laughs> and i woke up <laughs> and i woke oh, up my God. Just from, it got moved to Monday. Don't you know it got moved to Monday? You woke up in a cold sweat. <laughs> More like I woke up feeling I was about to have a fucking heart attack. Oh, my God. And then realizing, bam, it's Tuesday. Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, honestly, I mean, I kind of wish that that game was moved to Monday because that game, that was the best game all week. That Seattle-Arizona game. For some people, yeah. Well, okay. You still won. Listen, in our league, you still won. Uh, by a ball hair by a robert woods fumble and change take it four and three that's that's uh that's good yeah got some work to do but we're we're okay we're moving on up as they say for the neutral the uh the seattle arizona game was really was the best game all week because now now we can say that definitively because this game on monday was was not good no unless you're a fan of punters unless you are a fan of punters yes Yes, but other than that, that game was oof, that game was bad. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was a mess. Let's just get into it. I mean, the so I mean, obviously, like by yourself, like is the is Allen Robinson not actually not quarterback proof? So, so he yeah. he is quarterback proof. He just was not matchup proof, and the Rams are a very very good defense. Yeah. And whether it was 
Allen Robinson just not being able to get open on certain occasions or whether or not Nick Foles didn't have enough time to throw in the pocket. It was a combination of both those things because it comes second half. First half, Nick Foles had a couple of clean opportunities to, to you know hit on throws, just didn't really do it. And the Bears just didn't take enough shots downfield until they were down 20 to three. And then once they did, it was really just a full-on aerial assault from the L.A. Rams in terms of just trying to collapse the pocket and make sure Nick Foles has absolutely zero time to try and get that football out. And we saw it. We saw it on multiple occasions that the Bears' offensive line just was not able to hold up. And Nick Foles was just getting hit left, right, and center. He didn't have enough time to get the ball out, was not planting his feet in certain throws. And that led to the air mailings. And, and like I said, Allen Robinson was not on Jalen Ramsey all night or Jalen Ramsey was not on Allen Robinson all night. Allen Robinson did move all over the field, but it just goes to show you how good the Rams secondary is that you can hold Allen Robinson in check. You can hold Jimmy Graham for the most part in check. David Montgomery did not have that, that great of a night. And I look at the other way around for the Rams as well. Did anybody for the Rams really have that great of a night other than Cooper Cup, who I believe had six catches? Um, uh, maybe Josh Reynolds, Malcolm Brown got a touchdown. Malcolm Brown got a touchdown. Yes. Yeah, his day. One thing that surprised me was that Tyler Higby was inactive for mm. this game. Mm. Yes. Because mm. yeah. With the thing, with the finger injury. Yes. Yeah. That was a, um, that was a definite surprise, but again, I'm not entirely shocked because of his, seemingly declining standing with where he is on this football team. We saw this last year. Gerald Everett gets hurt. Tyler Higby steps in, and Tyler Higby becomes the guy. Tyler Higby now is hurt. Gerald Everett steps in again, scores. Yeah. So, you know, where do we stand in terms of the Rams' tight ends? I would say Tyler Higby is very droppable. I think if you have – if there's someone like Eric Ebron – or if there's someone like Mike Gesicki or someone like if, if Gronk is on your waiver wire, go pick him up. You know, he, I think he's better rest of season right now than Tyler Higby is. You know, it, it, it's – And that's even with Antonio Brown coming in. You think Gronk is better? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Because it just feels like with every week that passes right now, it just seems to me like Gronk is just looking better and better. And that's a very scary proposition for anybody because of that Brady Gronk connection is really firing on all cylinders. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, they, this game, the defenses were really good in this yeah. game. Yeah. I, I said the defenses were pretty good starts. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, the bears got a defensive touchdown, a couple yep. fumble recoveries and the Rams got uh, two picks and, and a bunch of sacks. The funny Three thing, sacks, yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing is, I don't know if you heard on the broadcast where Brian Greasy was like, Nick Foles told me that sometimes when Matt Nagy calls a play, I know that I can't actually execute this play because I won't have enough time in the pocket. I'm like, <laughs> that is the most candid thing I've ever heard a quarterback say where he's basically well, – are, are, are you surprised that, that someone with the stature of big dick Nick actually had the audacity to say such a thing? More like big balls, Nick, because it takes some to say something like that about your head well, coach. Well, big dick, big balls. I think that's kind of implied. Yeah. But anyway. Same, same, same body part. Yeah. All right. Well, they are connected. 
So that is true. Last I checked. <laughs> last, last I checked, they I are am, connected. I will not be following this this line of questioning any further. <laughs> but I'm just. It's just kind of refreshing to hear a uh, hear the candor from a uh, quarterback like that, just basically throwing his coach under the bus, saying like the guy doesn't know what he's doing, calling plays. I wish Sam Darnold would say that about Adam Gaze or the offensive line, where it's like, these guys aren't giving me enough time to throw. Because that's basically what happened with the, in the Buffalo game. Well, I think it also comes down to Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl MVP. This he is can, true. He basically has, has the leverage to say certain things that someone like Sam Darnold does not. That is true. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think that the Bears are going to make a change at quarterback? I mean, if a, a, a Dick Foles met all the criteria for Matt Nagy to bench his ass in the, uh, in the game last night, Nick Foles looked terrible, had no time to throw, made some plays with his legs, then threw a pick in the end zone that was tipped by a defender, which was by no means his fault, and cost his team points. So – Based on that merit, uh, Nick Foles should have been benched for Mitch Trubisky. But something tells me that the Bears just do not want to go back to Trubisky. And that Trubisky's time in Chicago is uh, muerta. Yeah. Well, 2018 feels so far away. Yeah. And it really just – what did we say in this podcast? That the Bears are the most fraudulent 5-1 and one team that there was? Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that the Bears now just free fall and you could see them. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they win two more games the rest of the year. It, it, it wouldn't shock me one bit. Yeah, well. But, and there's another, there's another part of me that says the Bears can just do what the Bears have been doing, win four more games, get to nine wins, and basically be a lock to make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, especially with the expanded playoffs. I mean, they're going to make it as a yeah. wild card. Yeah. Because Packers. And we, all, and we all know what happens when Nick Foles gets into the playoffs. Yeah. Just saying. Yep. I swear to God. The Bears won a Super Bowl with Big Dick Nick. We might hear our Bears correspondent, Benny Gable. Oh, my God. You know what? Actually, you know, maybe that, that won't be too bad. I haven't talked to Benny in a while. Great guy. Great guy. Basement Love Podcast, Bears correspondent, Benny Gable. Oh, my. He's great. Class uh, act. Yeah. So, with that being said, uh, you were kind of right, actually. This is, re- this is a Cooper Cup game. You kind of you had that feeling. And there it is. Probably only took me 10 tries to get it right as to what kind of game it would be, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, but I finally got one. <laughs> yep, there you go. And then uh, you got to love the Leonard Floyd revenge game. Saw that coming. I forgot. I kind of forgot that he was uh, cut by the Bears in the offseason. Kind of like went under the radar that he was cut and then he signed with the Rams. Well, I think anybody – can look pretty good playing on that on that Rams uh, defense right now when you have arguably the best defensive lineman in football and the best corner in football playing on the same defense. Yep, the Jalen Ramsey experience. The Jalen Ramsey experience. Throw a bad pick on your on your second to last drive of the game on a throw on a ball that you completely overthrew to your receiver. The Jalen Ramsey experience to your biggest receiver to Jimmy Graham. Yeah, that's not even a, that's not even an airmail. That's that, that's like oh my god. That that's terrible. a miss. That's a miss of epic proportions. 
Yeah. That you could that you could out you could overthrow Jimmy Graham, who, by the way, Adam, I don't know if you've heard, may or may not have played college basketball. Really? I had no idea. He, he, I just heard it, you know, yeah, somewhere, got, along, somewhere along the way. He has the physique. He has the physique to play college basketball, but I didn't think that he actually did it. So, <laughs> I mean, thank you for letting me know of this. Hey, well, if you didn't know that, fun fact, I'm gonna blow your mind right now. Antonio Gates played college basketball as well. No way. Oh yeah. How many oh, other yeah. tight ends played college basketball? Uh, we have Mo Ali Cox. Mo Ali Cox played college basketball. He also played the NCAA tournament. Oh well, that's in case you are unaware. Did you also know that Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? Oh, gasp. I, I had no idea. I didn't know that Ivy Leaguers could play in the NFL. I know. Crazy. I thought they were too busy doing their scientific formulas. The little you know. Yes. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Did Tony Gonzalez play basketball? Or I don't think so. Because that would be one that I that I would that I would know. And I, I'm just I don't. stereotyping. You could be. It's like all the good tight ends have played basketball, except for Gronk. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. He did? Mm-hmm. Yep. Stereotypes Cal exist Bar- for... Cal Barkley. Stereotypes exist for a reason, Bird. Fucking unbelievable. Uh, Disgraceful. Disgraceful. Anyhow... So I think honestly, anywho, I think the the Rams defense is still worth worth holding on to, just for the rest of the season. Because if you look at if you look at their schedule, so they're playing Miami, they have their bye. Okay, well actually, maybe yeah, I not. was about to say they still have to play Seattle and Arizona twice. Maybe maybe not. I think mm, hold on to them. Their playoff schedule is not terrible. Because they have New England and the and the Jets, and then Seattle and championships. So it's they play the Jets week fourteen, Patriots week fifteen, Mm-mm. Seahawks sixteen. Other way around, it's Jets, Patriots, Seahawks. No, it's Patriots, Jets, Seahawks. That's what I just said. Oh, it's Patriots, Jets, Seahawks. That's what it is. Well, that's a great playoff schedule. Yeah, but the four weeks after their bye, you gotta kind of. Pick up another defense because it's Seattle, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Arizona. Yeah, you let them sit on waiver wire. Let them sit on waiver wire for four weeks. And no, I would even say let them sit on waiver wire for three weeks. Sit on waiver wire for three weeks. And then that fourth week where they're going against Adam, who's the last opponent that they're playing in that stretch? Is it Seattle? Uh, Arizona. 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 Okay. So the week, the week that they're playing Arizona, just pick them up. Pick them up. Keep them on your bench. Hold them for a week. And then come Tuesday, you drop the defense that you started, put the Rams in, you're good. Yep. Beating the waiver wire. The kind of insight that you come for here on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Just elite level commentary. Yep. Some would uh, even say Joe Flacco level commentary because Joe Flacco is elite. He is elite. He's won a Super Bowl. He is elite. He's in the same company as Nick Foles. He's won a Super Bowl MVP. Well, Nick Foles was has a big dick. Joe Flacco is elite. He sure is. Great guy. Yep. Great, great guy. Anyhow, let's talk about the waivers. As we're 
as we were talking about stuff that you should be uh, worried about as far as your waiver wire is concerned, as far as, uh, as defenses, we'll get to the defenses later, most, assur- most assuredly. But the waiver wire, a, and we're going to start off with quarterbacks as we usually do. A player that just, just gets in under our uh, criteria is Jared Goff. 49.8% roster <laughs> going up against the Miami Dolphins. Do you think that he is a good pickup? Uh, well, I never think Jared Goff is a good pickup. I mean, that's uh... okay. I know that you don't like Jared Goff, but I'm just saying, as a just a, just as a, as a as a pickup, do you think that he's worth it as a stream? Maybe. I mean, if you can get him, sure. Um, I just think it really depends on what your expectations are for. Jared Goff. I think if you are expecting him to be a 25, 30 point guy, I don't think he does that. But if you are hoping that he can come in and get you two fifty and two scores, then yeah, I, I think he's he's fine. Uh, I just would not be expecting him to uh to really go bonkers. Um and he's he's not even my number one stream week, quite honestly. He I don't even know he's number two. Well, who is your number one stream of the week? Uh Teddy Bridgewater. No question about it. Thursday night at home versus Atlanta. Uh, the Atlanta defense is absolutely terrible. And I think Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, uh, Mike Davis slash Christian McCaffrey, that's another conversation that has to be had. Uh, I think just the combination go absolutely fucking bonkers. And uh, I want all of Teddy Bridgewater uh, for Thursday night against Atlanta, which promises to be a very, very high-scoring game. And I'm actually looking forward to this Thursday night game because I think it's actually going to be really, really, really good. And we're going to be previewing that uh, at the end of the program. The number two stream of the week that I have, I'm actually going with Derek Carr uh, up against Cleveland. Uh, Derek Carr actually has not been all that terrible. He's had 13 touchdowns to two interceptions so far in the year. has basically been averaging around 16, 17 fantasy, fantasy points per start. If you're looking for someone that offers a really solid floor, I think Derek Carr is your guy, and he's someone that I don't think we've talked about enough on, on this waiver show. I just think that he has been really, really consistent for fantasy this year. The Browns allow the 25th most points to opposing quarterbacks, so uh, I would be all, 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 all in on, uh, on Derek Carr. What about his opposing, then, his opposing number, Baker Mayfield, in this game also? The, Ra- the Raiders are also not great against quarterbacks. I mean, you could. I mean, you, you, you definitely could. I don't know if I would do it. I, I think my third, that would be Goff. I think, I think Goff would be my third stream of the week. But, I mean, Baker's a very close fourth. I mean, you could, you could definitely do it. He's owned in 17.5% of leagues. So, that, that's definitely worth looking at. Alrighty, moving on to the running back situation. And Jeff Wilson Jr. was put on IR with the, uh, what was it, the ankle injury that you said that he had? Yeah, it was an ankle injury, correct. So, uh, Jermichael Hasty, I assume, is, is up there as one of your top waiver ads of this week? Actually, yeah, yes, but I'm actually looking at Tevin Coleman as another possible waiver wire ad. And I think that this backfield just gets way more crowded. Yeah, but he could be coming, he could be coming off of IR. 
Okay. Which is something that not a lot of people are talking about. That Devin Tevin Coleman could be coming off of IR and this would be a fucking car crash of a backfield. But he's not even in my top three waiver ads for the running back position for the week. My number three waiver wire waiver wire ad, and I'm gonna regret saying this, I know I am, is Wayne Gallman, the running back for the New York Giants, with the injury to Devontae Freeman. I'm really gonna regret this one. Number oh two waiver wire ad for the running back position is Lamichael P. Ryan for the New York Jets. Yay. He, he's great. Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. You actually have a new play caller that actually wants to see Michael Pirine instead of Adam Gaze, who just wants Frank Gore to run the ball 25 times unrepented. Ugh, and right. then my, num- my number one waiver wire ad of the week for the running back position is, of course, Carlos Hyde with the injury to Chris Carson. He is probably going in to this week with a questionable tag. There is one guy, however, that is going to be out for week eight with a broken finger, and that is adding to the injury report again, Chris Godwin. Ooh. Chris Godwin has broken his finger, and he is going to be out Monday night versus the Giants. So it is going to be the Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, Rob Gronkowski show once again. Hooray? Sure, hip, why hip. not? Hip, hip, yeah. hurrah. And going up against the Giants, too. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another running back that's owned in only 32.6% of leagues. He scored last night, and that's Malcolm Brown, who I don't even – well, listen, you can't predict who's going to be the leader of the Rams' backfield committee because of changes with the, with the tides and whatever Sean McVay feels in the morning. But as an exploratory ad, just to see what's going on, there going up against Miami, who's 26th against the run. I mean, might as well. I think I've kind of figured this backfield out a little bit. I feel like I, I kind of have. It seems like in between the 20s, it seems like Sean McVay likes to use Darrell Henderson. But then when they get inside the 20 and then inside the five, it really does seem like Mal- Malcolm Brown has turned into that guy where, you know, he likes Sean McVay likes the fact that Malcolm Brown is just a bruiser of a running back versus versus Darrell Henderson, who seems to be a bit more elusive as a running back, is more willing to, you know, really shift people out and put on a move here or there, where Malcolm Brown is just – he's just a straight north-south runner. So I I think I figured it out, but I can't wait to be proven wrong next week and, you know, to see the complete opposite happen. Yeah, right. Uh that's that's how fantasy goes sometimes. Amen. All right, wide receivers. Uh, who are your top three or four ads this week? See, this is actually an interesting an interesting week for for receivers because I, guess, I could probably guess one. Actually, who? Go Corey ahead. Davis. Corey Davis. No. Nope. Really? Nope. Uh, number three on my list is Rashard Higgins, the wide receiver for Cleveland Browns, who of course is going to step in as the like-for-like replacement for Odell Beckham, who, of course, is out for the season with uh, ligament tears in his knee. Uh, My number two waiver wire ad of the week is Brandon Ayuk, the receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. And God, I hate saying it, but my number one waiver ad of the week is Sterling Shepard, the receiver for the New York Giants. Really? Sterling Shepard? Mm-hmm. Yep. Very interesting. Yep, I just feel like the Giants are going to be down so heavily in games where they're just going to start throwing the ball. And 
Sterling Shepard upon his return last Thursday in Philadelphia. He looked really good. He looked really, really good. And I think they're really feeding Darius Slayton to the dogs on the outside where, you know, he can meet those top top, top level elite corners. Whereas Sterling Shepard, he'll be operating most of the time in the slot. And that's good for, for him because he won't be seeing a lot of those top level corners. So um, I really am interested in adding Sterling Shepard and you could possibly even start him this week. If you're now down Chris Godwin, if, you may be down Michael Thomas if you're down Odo Beckham, you know, and you need a a some help, you know, there, you know, you could be going for one of those guys. It's a pretty big week actually for for waivers. I know we um we didn't talk about it at the top, but it's actually a very big week for a lot of people when you consider injuries. You consider guys that maybe now have an opportunity because of said injuries, you know, filling in. Um gearing up for playoff runs, things like that, you know, looking for depth and and guys that can help round out your team a little bit more. These are the kind of players that we're talking about. I don't think any of these guys that we've said are league winning kind of players, but they are guys that you can start various weeks and I think feel okay about it. And that's how you win championships is how you have fluctuation in your lineups not necessarily banking on one starting lineup, having no change whatsoever, and bam, that's a team that you ride with. You win championships because you have depth, and you win championship because you're able to just plug and play guys from your bench to your starting lineup and guys from your starting lineup to your bench, and that's the way you win because you're deep. So Absolutely right, yeah. So, I mean, I think these are guys that, again, I don't think they're going to they're gonna necessarily win people leagues, but – they can go a long way. I, but I do believe that in saying that, I think it is very important to understand this is not the week to be blowing all your fab because there is going to be a week where we have a big-time player go down, sort of in the mold of kind of what happened with Dalvin Cook in terms of Alexander Madison and Alexander Madison being available on some waiver wires. And a lot of people, myself included, blew their fab on Alexander Madison and he proved to do nothing. Granted, I was in a position where I needed to blow my fab on Alexander Madison to try and get a win and it didn't work. Then I'm probably not going to make the playoffs, but you know, that's, that's just the risk that you take. But if you're a playoff team and you don't have a reason to blow your fab, don't do it. This is not the week to do it. Waivers is obviously, is obviously, you know, whole other situation, whole other situation. But in terms of fab, do not blow it this week. This is not the week to do it. This is a week to go in, place conservative bids down. And if you get some guys, great. If you don't, don't panic because it's not, this is not the week. Because I can guarantee you with the way this season is going, Adam, I can bet that there is going to be one more huge injury where there's someone on waiver wires that's sitting there right now that has no value whatsoever, nobody's looking at, that in three, four weeks, you could be going for $50, $65, and I wouldn't be surprised. Two more players I think are kind of interesting, maybe one more than, than the other. It's funny that the Raiders have been looking Nelson Aguilar's way a lot in these past couple of weeks. 
He's caught a touchdown in three straight weeks. And um, he's had four targets against Buffalo, uh, two targets against Kansas City. One of them was pretty long. Uh, And then nine targets this week against uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, I'm not crazy about Nelson Aguilar. I just don't think he gets enough volume to do it. I know one week stood out, which is the nine targets that he got uh, this previous Sunday. We still got 14 points um, against Buffalo and Kansas City. Yeah, but you're going off of four targets and two targets. Like, that's that's not something that I can feel confident that I'm going to go ahead and and put my lineups to start. Obviously, the touchdowns, they're nice, 100%. But you're talking about 25 and 50% of his targets were caught for touchdowns in those two games. That's unsustainable. I mean, it's a nine targets continues. And, you know, this week he catches, if he has six, seven targets and he catches four or five of them and he takes one in for a touchdown, then maybe we're talking about him next week. Maybe we're talking about him as someone that you should be going and picking up. And maybe I'm just missing the ball early in this one and you, and you got me in this one. But um, for me, Nelson Aguilar is someone that I'm looking at closely, but he's not someone that I'm looking to go ahead and add right away. Okay. All right. So let's move on to the tight ends. And this is a, another week for tight ends where it's kind of interesting where you have, I mean, Richard Rogers is according to ESPN, he has the most projected points out of the, uh, the tight ends on our waiver wire in our league at 9.3 going up against the Dallas Cowboys. He's only rostered in 6.5% of leagues. So worth looking at that as well. Anybody else for you? Well, I mean, Carson Bryant, I guess is one also. He's not in my top three necessarily, but I think he would be up there if, um, if Austin Hooper does not return, he could be close to that. I actually have Dallas Goddard as my number one tight end uh, waiver ad for this week. He's owned in about 38% of leagues. If he's on your waiver wires, go pick him up. Go pick him up because it's very clear that the Philadelphia Eagles love Dallas Goddard. They want him to potentially be the number one tight end period for, uh, for that offense. And if he's out there, go pick him up because I think you could have somebody this week if he returns that could be a really solid start. And I agree. I agree with you, Adam. If, if Dallas Goddard is not the guy and it's Richard Rodgers, I think pick him up as well because I think he could be a really, really good start. I think it's a good call. Uh, that one with the Philadelphia Eagles tight ends going up against uh, Dallas. Number two is Trey Burton, the tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. And then number three for me, I have Irv Smith Jr. I'm continuing to like what I see from the young tight end in Minnesota. I think he's a uh, he's a worthwhile add, especially if you're in keeper leagues or even in dynasty leagues. If he's not added, I would definitely be going and uh, and picking him up. Um, just to kind of see what he potentially does in the near future for uh, for the Vikings. And if you're looking for someone maybe that will produce more of a consistent, on a consistent week-to-week basis, uh, I think Logan Thomas could be the guy as well, has scored in, uh, in two straight matchups and has basically been a lock for at least four targets uh, every single week. It just seems like that the uh, – that the Washington football team just like to throw his way. Yeah, you're right. I think something that's also kind of interesting for that is uh, I actually, you know, I, I talked about this with Jake actually when we did the waiver show last week. Like if you see a player that's injured 
or on the or on IR that's just potential of coming back in the in the coming weeks, and you have a spare like IR spot on your fantasy roster, then pick them up. I mean, you could use that. Just hold them there. When it, when people who are more reactionary or they just needed space on their uh, IR spots and they dropped a player that's at, that has really good value onto waivers just because they're injured, then go for it. Be that kind of poacher that does that. Because I, yeah. I did that with Dallas Goddard a couple weeks ago. I was like, what the fuck is he doing here? I have a spare IR spot. I'm going to pick him up. Yeah, as you should. I, I think he, he really should be added in leagues where you have the available IR spots. At the very least, just hold him. Hold him on your IR. And then when he comes back, you have very solid tight end one that can definitely produce for your teams, especially if they're going to be holding Zach Ertz out for another four to five weeks, which is being reported. So yeah. if that's the if that's the case, and Dallas Goddard's back in the next week or two, if he's back this week, all the merrier. But if he's back next week, I mean that's good. That's just going to be it's going to be perfect. Yeah. Now that that is a guy that can win you a league. I believe Dallas yeah. Goddard. Yeah. I mean, he's, all, he's still only owned in 30, like 38% of leagues right now, 36 or something percent of leagues. Well, right. But if he, if he comes back and he turns into the number one in Philadelphia where Carson Wentz is looking for him, you know, and you potentially get a guy that rest of the season could be a top six, top seven tight end. That just gives you such a step up on everybody else. And we all know how hard it is to find a tight end that can consistently produce uh, week to week. I think you're I basically, you're basically hunting, you're hunting for, for touchdown for touchdowns. Yeah. I have two now. Cause I have, I'm going to have Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard. Oh, oh my name is Adam. I'm Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard. Oh, look at me. I'm a fantasy football extraordinaire. I come on the base and talk, fan, I play base, talk podcast fantasy show every single week. And I like to snipe ideas because it's just who I am. <laughs> my defense i did this i did this before you mentioned it this this whole thing anyway so defenses this week for defense is actually pretty good i think where you have a lot of teams going going up against really terrible teams where you yeah. have you have matchups good matchups um one that is pretty solid you have the chargers going up against the broncos they're owning 46.5 percent of leagues I agree. Um, the Saints going up against the Bears. They're owned in 42.5% of leagues. And then the Titans going up against the Bengals. Who are owned um, I also have some, I have some other breaking news for you. Uh, Jerry Jones went on 105.3 The Fan Dallas this morning and told a radio host to, quote, shut up when asked if the team has a leadership void. It's all going to hell quick. That's our Jerry Jones. Oh, Jerry. Told him to shut up. Shut up. And I quote. I'm surprised it was just shut up. Not like shove it up your ass or fuck you. I think he knows where I think he knows where he is. He's on uh he's on uh, national national airways. Is he on Sirius? Because you you can curse on on satellite radio. In inside joke. Inside joke. Jerry Jones is not Barbara Corcoran. <laughs> no. No, he is not. No. Um, my, you want to hear my top three defenses for the week? Yes. Okay. So I have at number three, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
going up against the New York Giants. Uh, number two, I have the Buffalo Bills going up against the New England Patriots at home. And then number one, it should not be any surprise, it is the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the New York Jets at Arrowhead. But, uh, Bird, that doesn't follow the, the, uh, the criteria. Well, those are some of the top three overall. If we're talking about, you know, based on who's available. Okay. Um, based on who's available. If the Eagles are available, definitely go pick them up with their with them playing Dallas. No, no, no doubt about it. If you pick up the Chargers last week and you know you still have them going up against Denver, uh, stick with them. They're a great two week stream right there. The Saints are available. Go pick up the Saints going up against uh, Chicago. Only problem is it is at Chicago, so uh, maybe temper your expectations there. Um, the Seahawks going up against the 49ers in a deep league. I think that that could be okay. Um, and I think that's kind of it in, ter- in terms of defenses that I like. Maybe if there's no Dalvin Cook this week, maybe the Packers against the Vikings won't be such a bad one either. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not crazy about that Seahawks going up against the Niners just because the Niners have – the Seahawks' defense isn't really that great, and especially if they don't – if Jamal Adams doesn't play again this week, you know, their leader on defense, I don't know. Defense is like that. Good defense going up against the 49ers. It's always kind of a risky proposition because I, I thought the Rams were going to be good at going up against the 49ers a couple weeks ago, and they came out with a negative one, with negative one points. So I'm a little – shaky about it because I think Jimmy G is really kind of like finding his form or the 49ers themselves are just trying to are finding their form now. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Personally, I'm not crazy about it, but like you said, in a deeper league, the Seahawks could be worthy of an ad. Just like when you're going up against, when you're picking a defense going up against an actually established good team, you kind of have, it's kind of like it's a dangerous game that you're playing. Yes. So let's preview Thursday night. Stuart, the Panthers and the Falcons, an NFC South showdown. This game's going to be, yeah, the over-under for this game is 49 points, and I think I'm taking the over on that. I am too. I am too. This will be a very high-scoring game, and I'll make this very easy. Uh, instead of doing a startle meter where you can actually talk about more, uh, more things with some sort of substance. And I will say that all of your, your relevant Panthers and Falcons, you should be starting. So Matt Ryan, Gurley, Julio, Ridley, Hurst, Teddy Bridgewater, running back for Carolina, whomever that's going to be, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, you should be starting. I think this is sort of the the segue into, you know, the Mike Davis versus Christian McCaffrey sort of uh, conversation because, you know, what happens if Christian McCaffrey comes back? Should we expect – a uh, limited workload for him. Will we see Mike Davis? My thing is, and Adam, you can tell me I'm dead wrong on this if you believe I am, but I think that the only way that the Panthers would bring Christian McCaffrey back early is if he's 100% ready to go. No, you're right. The Panthers aren't going to, aren't like in a playoff race now that they, they need to rush back Christian McCaffrey and potentially do more harm to him in the future compromise him long term yes, yes. i completely 100 percent agree because if he if he messes up his uh his ankle or even further 
then like that and it takes him out for even longer, maybe even the rest of the season, God forbid. Right. Or right. does something long term to his career, God forbid as well, then you just don't want to risk that if you're Matt Rule. Nope. No. You you really don't want to go ahead and risk that. So especially if you're I, be throwing a lot as the Panthers are going to be throwing a lot and the Falcons are going to be throwing a lot. Like you just, you you can leave Mike Davis in for another week. It's like, you know, like in Madden when it's like this player has been cleared to come back, but if you, if you play him, then his stats are a high chance of re-injury. Yes. There's a high chance of re-injury and his stats are going to be lower. And I was like, you know what? You should probably go with the backup. You don't want to, you want to risk it. Right. And, and, and again, it all, it all comes down to, again, I said this on yesterday's program where I said the only way that McCaffrey would come back is if he's 100%. But my, my thinking, which is what I said on Monday, was this is a short week for the Panthers. Short week. But then after this, after they play Thursday, they have another 10 days to rest up and get ready for week nine when they play on Sunday. So my overall thinking here is – you don't rush Christian McCaffrey to get him ready for Thursday. You give him 10 days to get ready, and then you bring him back week nine and have him play on that Sunday. That, that for me, as much as I would love to see him go up against Atlanta this week, that for me is the right call. What I believe that Carolina should be doing is that you give Mike Davis another week, and then you have Christian McCaffrey back for week nine. That's what I believe they should do. Now, will they will they do that? Or will Christian McCaffrey just prove to be a freak, prove he's good to go, and will he be in there on Thursday? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have, we'll have to really uh, wait and see. But I would be uh, checking the injury reports and seeing what the deal is because they, they do have early injury report this week because of the Thursday game. So I would definitely be uh, keeping updated in terms of Christian McCaffrey's status, but I think if there is a chance that Christian McCaffrey plays, we know about it fairly quickly. And I think the same goes if he's not going to play. I think we know about that very, very, very quickly in terms of um, what his availability will, availability will be for uh, for this week. Yeah, well, the, the injury reports are more, it's more like estimations, I think. At least yesterday's injury report, Monday's injury report was more like an estimation. You have breaking news. There is an update on McCaffrey, yes. Oh, okay. So Matt Rule was quoted as saying that Christian McCaffrey is a possibility for Thursday night's game, and I'll just, I'll just read this. Um, it's per Miles Simmons of the Panthers' official website. Rule indicated that McCaffrey's Week 8 status is sort of out of my hands. I'm hopeful that we'll have him. For now, though, McCaffrey has to be designated to return from IR, which needs to happen before he can practice. Either way, McCaffrey appears to be nearing a return to action, but even if he remains silent Thursday night, he'd presumably be ready for the team's November 8th contest against the Chiefs, which is, of course, week nine. Yep. So uh, I would say right now it's looking like it's 50-50. But again, I think we will know before Thursday whether or not McCaffrey will stay on IR or whether or not he will be back. And if he, is back, yeah. if he is back, you, you, you start him. And I think you know McCaffrey could be in for a... Uh, I apologize for being out for six weeks sort of game, but here we go. Well, I think that especially since they're going to have to make this decision sooner rather than later because he can't even practice if he's on IR. Well, he, he, he can in, in, a, in a limited capacity that isn't with the team, correct? Yeah. 
but he could be off to the side doing individual sort of things and he could do that but in pads with the team that's correct he cannot uh practice in that capacity right because can you imagine if that was that'd be like the biggest loophole in history oh i'm on ir but i'm still practicing in pads with the team yeah exactly save a roster manipulation to the max um what i was saying about uh the injury reports the fact that they're estimated because we saw like julio and russell gage were estimated to be limited in monday's practice with russell gage with a knee injury julio with a hip injury and i think it i mean it looks like that they might be i mean russell gage really isn't worth looking at from a fantasy perspective but julio obviously is so well i think russell gage in deep leagues yeah russell gage in deep league i think is, is, is he's worth a look yeah but uh, yeah, so worth monitoring those injury reports also for Julio and Russell Gage because those are two big, big names for the Falcons. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show as well as the Basement Talk Podcast Vanilla, the Quizitational, and our new segment that we'll be adding to the Basement Talk Podcast family. You want to talk about it? Coming later this week. Yes. I'll... Might as well. Yeah, fuck it. So it's going to be a debate show. Mm. Spicy debate. So uh, Bird and I, for the first episode, Bird and I will be talking about a – we'll be doing an Arsenal and Man City combined 11. We'll take the best players from Arsenal and Manchester City in the Premier League era, and we'll be putting them together in a combined starting 11 and and debating on who – would overtake who in what position? That should this should be interesting. I cannot wait until we get to striker. Frankly, oh god, oh think- god, it might be it might be better if we just do a, a formation where it's like a four four two. I think we would literally murder each other. We might, Henri, because we'll oh, because man. we'll Aguero. we will ha- we will have to come to a decision on it. It's not like we can go. Okay, you could take Henri, I'll take Aguero. No, no, no. We have to come to a decision. Yeah. So it's 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 gonna be fiery. That's for that's for sure. And then we also have to agree on a formation, which oh. will be very interesting. Do we go with a a Arsene Wenger classic four uh four two three one, or do we go with a Pep Guardiola classic, the four three three? I like the four the four three three with the defensive mid. I personally like the four three one two with the two with the uh, or the four two uh, four two three one. Thank you, the uh, four two three one with the two defensive bits. As you can see, this is a, it's already starting. It is already starting. So in the season Discord, but anyway, and that'll be recorded on Wednesday, and I believe I will be releasing that probably Saturday. I think that is when that will uh, that will come out. Anyway, for my co-host Ed Birdsall. I am Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye.